Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Thank you for joining us here for the inaugural episode of Conquer Your Draft. I'm Josh, and with me today is Mike. Hello, I'm Mike. I'm glad you know your own name. Well, thank you, Josh. I'm, I appreciate uh, the the confidence. I, I hope people, you know, I hope people really get something uh, out of out of this, like in terms of obviously the stuff you're going to talk about, Josh, and the fantasy football side. But I hope people also begin to understand the pain and suffering that goes through knowing you, Josh. That's really all I want at the end of each episode. Where people go, wow, Mike puts up with a lot. <laughs> That's fair. But you know what? I think that also comes with the turf of being a fantasy football manager. Um, anyone who's yeah. <laughs> been one before knows that pain and suffering are uh, your bread and butter. Especially because it's not only that you've got all these players that you really can't control what they do, right? On a week-to-week basis, like you just can't control it. You've also got all these other players in your league, however big. I mean, we know there are leagues that are as small as six teams and as big as like, uh, you know, the league you and I are in 12. You know, there's a there's a lot of people and you're dealing with the egos of every manager. Um, and I happen to be sitting here doing this podcast with a with a big ego. <laughs> um that uh, sometimes calls himself josh so um, oh, you, you mean our our home league uh, champion yeah well you won it okay you've won it one year congratulations you've won it once um you haven't you know stopped talking about that you won it once i mean now we've got this whole thing because you won once and i guess that's what we're going to talk about today right josh we're going to talk about what what are we doing here like what what is this and what is conquer your draft and that's a great segue into this because i think i think can i say what i think happened and then you can correct me absolutely you good with that? okay what i think happened was you won our league last year once for the first time this league's been around for actually quite a few years and there's been iterations of it like i'm i'm i've been managing this league technically since i was in high school but it took a couple years off finding other people finally who were interested in it and it came back so you've won a total of one time and your ego went hmm I have knowledge to share with the world and then conquer your draft begin. Uh, how close am I? Um, well, I'd just like to first point out that I'm uh, the champion and you're not. Okay. Um, <laughs> secondly, um, I am in other leagues, so not my first uh, mm-hmm. fantasy football championship by any now, means. Now, just Josh, first who, who played you in our Super Bowl last year, though? Uh, that would be you. Yeah, and who would have? Maybe not one, but been super close to beating you, and it would have been close if Antonio Brown just kept his shirt on and didn't dance off the field. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was so mad that happened during our Super Bowl. I know. That was that will <laughs> remain in my memory for probably the rest of my life. I will never seeing, forget that moment. <laughs> seeing the game I was watching switch to coverage of him just dancing off going down the tunnel shirtless <laughs> and knowing you were absolutely screwed knowing that i lost that was it i'm done okay so get back to what you were saying then so you've you've been in many leagues you you how many leagues do you think you're in on a yearly basis does it change or do you always try to do like a handful i, I try to stick to three leagues um i think that's about the maximum that i can commit to and stay active in i think once you get past three then trying to manage, you know, trades and the waiver wire and all the different start sit decisions start to get a little out of hand. So I yeah. think three is if if you enjoy 
a lot of activity in fantasy football, I think three is that magic number. Um, obviously, for some people, one is all that they can uh, handle, and that's perfectly fine. Um, I sometimes wish I was only in one league on uh, a waiver wire when there's been a lot of injuries in the NFL, but uh, I signed up for it, so that's that's what I'm sticking to. And so I decided to start Conquer Your Draft because I found that uh, I've had... Well, like I said, I've had some pretty good success in the fantasy football world, but I've also had some pretty good success at picking out players who are undervalued ahead of the draft or yeah. going into the season. Um, so, for example, like just uh, Saquon Barkley in his rookie or in his breakout year, I uh, I managed to get him late in a fantasy football draft, and uh, that worked out pretty well for me. Um, last year, the Jill and Hertz, uh, explosion, mm-hmm. um, got him pretty late in our draft. I think the eighth, ninth round. And, uh, he finished as the, uh, quarterback nine, I believe last year. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I, I felt that I had something to offer to people in, hopefully I'm right with my guesses. There is always the, the <laughs> downside of that. Uh, well, it's not a perfect science, right? Like it's not. No, there's no matter human what, element. it's not perfect. Exactly, like like the Antonio Brown situation, right? Like, like the no Antonio Brown situation, or nobody like, uh, could predict that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like this past weekend in the NFL. Um, for yeah, those of two. you, <laughs> for those of you listening, this is being uh, recorded in between week two and week three of the 2022 NFL season, and uh, there were some pretty big upsets and comebacks in week two this week. Yeah, and I think that's a, that is an important thing as we grow our fans and as people listen to this podcast is even though chances are you're hearing this on a Friday, we, we have yet to see the Thursday night matchups. We're recording in between. So we're going to talk a lot about the previous week. Like this week, we're going to talk about week two and the absolute wild, crazy mess that that was. And we'll talk about previewing what's going on week three. And we'll try to talk a bit about the Sunday games because I'm sure people will be interested in those come Friday. But we won't have an update on the Thursday nighter, um, though I'm sure we'll predict, try to predict what happened in that game. That's always fun. You make a prediction that comes out the day after, you see how right or wrong you were. <laughs> yeah, Cle- Cleveland's going to win. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty confident on that one. I think that's a pretty fair bet. I mean, again, considering how week two went, I mean, I don't know who really would have thought that, you know, Tua, for example, would have a ridiculous game. Like, I know you have, you know, you, I think you've said some very positive things about Tua of, as a quarterback and said that he could have a pretty good year. But again, did Ed, was anyone predicting that type of performance? I didn't want to throw six touchdowns. Like, that's that's pretty No, that, uh, that is pretty much the definition of a boom week, right? Like, he probably won't repeat that again this year. But it shows that his connection with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle uh, is real, and that he can support two strong uh, fantasy wide receivers. Because that's always that's always a question that people ask, especially when a new receiver enters the team through a trade, and uh, it's a Tyreek Hill, it's a Devontae Adams. You know, people wonder, okay, well, what happens to the guy from last year who did well, and. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not always a clear-cut answer. Like, you can look at Hunter Renfro right now in Las Vegas. He's uh, he's not doing too well, and he just had a weekend he'd probably like to uh, forget with that uh, overtime fumble. 
But uh, Jalen Waddle is the opposite side of that coin, and both him and uh, Tyreek Hill had great fantasy days this week. Yeah. So unfortunately, it's kind of a gamble on how it goes, and ultimately it comes down to the quarterback because he's the one who can make the who decides who he's going to feed the ball to. Derek Carr is comfortable feeding it to Devontae Adams and Darren Waller, so Hunter Renfro got left out in the cold. Yeah. But there is absolutely no way, no way that Miami is going to have that type of offensive output versus Buffalo for week three. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. Buffalo, how many, like, have they even allowed more than one touchdown yet? Like, they've had a pretty good start to their season. Like, I think they did one touchdown last week and one the week before. Like, they just aren't allowing much. They they have been pretty good. Uh, The the Rams game against them, the, the opener for the NFL was much better. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit more of a competitive game, but now to be fair, the Titans do not have a good passing game. No, with AJ Brown leaving, they they don't have anything going on in the passing game. Traylon Burks is their number one target, and uh, he he's a rookie. He's going to take some time to develop, and if Ryan Tannehill's not going to uh, hyper target him, then there's nothing really going on. Um, and yes, Mike, you're correct. They have not allowed more than one touchdown. I didn't think so. I because I, I know I know the Thursday nighter opener was competitive, but I'm pretty sure it was low scoring at the beginning, and then Buffalo like took it from there. Like it was yeah. close for a bit, but then but it was low scoring on both sides, and then Buffalo really took off. Something like that. Yeah, Buffalo uh, Buffalo exploded in the second half, while uh, the Rams didn't score a point in the second half. Yeah, just yeah. looking that up there now. Yeah, see, there you go. So I don't, I don't think Miami's going to do that again. You're also going to hear fans us reference our league quite a bit because every time Josh brings up something that he says here that I think contradicts a move he's made in his league, like with us, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call him out on it. Like for example, let's talk about Burks, right? Rookie, w- rookie receiver. You're saying it's really going to take a couple weeks for him to like really come to his own really like feel comfortable in their new team. He's a rookie, but he's essentially, I guess, their number one target, but it's going to take him a while. You keep claiming that when you traded him and A.J. Dillon to my father for Austin Eckler, that that was an even trade, where I'm saying you fleeced him. You know, right now, both uh, A.J. AJ Dillon has performed better than Austin Eckler as it stands right now. Yeah, it's not going to last. Come on. (laughs) Hey. Like we already talked about, there's the human element, you know, there. Yeah. So, so the issue with Austin Eckler this season compared to last year when he had that amazing season is that they're giving away those goal line red zone carries to Sony Michelle and Joshua Kelly. And they're making a, con- a concerted effort to keep him from being overworked. So instead of him being the only running back touching the ball while they march down the field, now they're working in Kelly and Michelle. And so for example, against the chiefs, both Kelly and Michelle had four carries each. So that's another eight carries that Austin Eckler did not have that he would have had last season. And Sony Michelle got the goal line work uh, in that game, which is concerning because that's where Austin Eckler was the most productive for you last year in fantasy. He was the safety blanket for the chargers when they got within five yards of the end zone. If you look at what A.J. Dillon has already been able to perform so far in week one, 
he was that for the Packers. Now in week two, they switched back and it was the Aaron Jones show. And it's likely that it's going to be a back and forth between them all year since they're pretty even in terms of uh, running attempts each game. And it's just going to depend on who stumbles in the end zone, really. Um, so you you have a murkiness there that could honestly go either way. And then Traylon Burks will be the number one receiver for the Titans. He, he already is, but rookie receivers take a bit of time to develop. You know, like look at Justin Jefferson and his breakout season and his rookie year. It took a few weeks before he really hit his stride. Um, and so I'm expecting the same thing from Traylon Burks if Ryan Tannehill can manage to throw the ball to him. And now just to jump back, that was your father's counter to an offer that I had made before that, which would have absolutely been a fleece. So <laughs> your father insisted on this. I even tried to talk him so I could keep Burks, and he said, no, no, no. So I said, all right, fair enough. So maybe maybe I am the one who ends up getting fleeced and uh, Eckler doesn't get any red zone work, right? It's, no, it's possible. It's possible. I just I still view Eckler, and some of that's recency bias, like some of it's what's going on in the past years. Um, but I still view Eckler as one of those top 10 running backs who, yeah, they may have their off weeks and they may get you nine points one week and then they may get you nine the next and then maybe they'll find But they're unlikely to get you zero point seven, right, for example, which happens to some running backs like A.J. Dillon, who, yes, or when, no, that's not his name. Is it A.J.? Yeah. Yep. Did I just? I thought I just made up his name for a second. Um, so AJ Dillon, who is part of a dual back system, where you can't—I mean, a lot of teams are going that way now. Like the NFL, uh, now more often than not, you see teams with two running backs that they really like, and they like to switch back and forth in situations. But there are just a few running black backs out there, and Eckler's one of them. Where, yeah, okay, the points you brought up are good this year, and the way he's being used through two weeks is a little bit different. I still, in the long run, would rather have someone like Austin Eckler on my team, including a you know a player I have right now, Cook, Dalvin Cook, who had had just awful week two, but I'd still rather have him than not because he's somebody that when push comes to shove, yes, he might get you nine points or seven points one week, but he has the potential to get you 20 plus, where I don't see that consistently out of a lot of those dual backs. It happens. But I just don't think to the same level of consistency. Um, let's move things along here, Josh, because we want to get to the core of, of what we're going to be doing here each week. And that's breaking down what we saw and what you're predicting is going to come up next. So talk a little bit about that. Like what? Talk a little bit about the article you posted on ConquerYourDraft.com and that website and where what people can have get out of the articles. And then segue right that into... What did you witness in this crazy week? Too? Yeah, so uh, conqueredraft.com, there'll be a weekly analysis article. Um, it's posted every Tuesday and Friday. So if you're listening to this on Friday, you can act, or sorry, if you listen to this um, on Friday, obviously the Thursday game has passed, but that article is up on Tuesday, usually sometime in the morning. So it has a section called the Thursday preview, and so that's where we'll go over our uh, starts and sits for the week for that Thursday night game. And then we take care of the Sunday and Monday games in the Friday article, as well as in this podcast. So obviously we're not going to do any starts sits for the Thursday night game with Cleveland and Pittsburgh, 
but they are on the website, so you can get our picks for them, so we're not going to leave you hanging there. Um, but, so for the week two review article, um, which also contains that Thursday preview, uh, so we like to go through and break down by position who was a conqueror this week and who was a bust. And we base who was a conqueror based off of how well they did above the average for their position. Um, and same thing with a bust. You know, if if the average quarterback is getting 20 points in a week and Trey Lance, for example. Now, I know he was injured, not his fault. It's a terrible injury, season-ending injury, and hopefully he can recover from that and it doesn't disrupt his career. But he had two and a half fantasy points for you. So if you started him, he was a bust for you. So clearly he's well below that 20-point average. Clearly. <laughs> Whereas if you had started Lamar Jackson, for example, he was close to 50 points, so well above the 20-point average and possibly won you your week. So that's kind of how we decide who is a conqueror and who is a bust. And um, there are some honorable mentions and dishonorable mentions that are in there, and those are guys who were closer to that average line, but well enough above it that we thought that they did enough to get a special mention or they were below it but not quite enough that we consider them a full bust you know they didn't they didn't kill your team this week but they certainly didn't really help you yeah i'm seeing i'm seeing a lot of names on here uh that i have on my team uh yes. in the dishonorable mentions uh and in some of the busts so yeah it was it was i i mean you already said it at the beginning josh like it was a wild second week there was so much that happened in the second week. And I mean, your article is big. Like, like, would you say there were more busts this week than you, you had anticipated? There, there was more of everything this week than I had anticipated. You know, n normally when I look at it, you know, each week there's maybe three, four guys who absolutely killed it at their position. Right. Mm -hmm. But like just going over the quarterbacks here, we had Tua Tagovailoa, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, they all had great games. Joe Flacco and the New York Jets with their absolute air raid that they have going on. Yeah. It makes no sense. But if you have Joe Flacco on your on your lineup, you're happy because he's just throwing he's throwing the ball like over a hundred times in two games. He he's doing that like better than he did in his prime eight years ago. Like he's yeah. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, if, if you put any quarterback out on the field and you tell him, hey, in week one, you're going to go and throw 59 times and in week two, you're going to throw for 44 times. Like, even if you're only completing half of those passes, that's still a significant amount of passing. Absolutely. And uh, if you can avoid getting intercepted, then I mean, hey, that works out for you. Um, some busts, though. Jim, Jim, <laughs> Jameis Winston and Tom Brady, both in the same game, both on here. Um, Tom Brady didn't kill you, but, uh, he only threw for 190 yards. He right. had a touchdown, but he also lost a fumble. So not a great performance from the goat. And, uh, Winston actually was a recommended start last week because we were expecting, uh, a bit of a shootout there and come game day, we find out that he's playing with a fractured back. So a little concerning, obviously would not have made him a start if I had known he was going to be playing with that injury um but unfortunately he returned to the the winston form that we've known from seasons past and threw three interceptions um matt ryan 
he threw for 195 yards and three interceptions, so he also was a start, but against all odds, Jacksonville, for now, the past two times that they've played Indianapolis Colts, if you remember um, the end of the season last year when the Colts just needed a win to secure a playoff berth and lost spectacularly to the Jags, <laughs> um, they, they decided that they were comfortable with doing that a second time and got shut out. Um, so Jonathan Taylor is a bust this week past week uh, never thought i'd be writing that so we'll move into the, the running backs that way so other bus big name bus derrick henry dalvin cook they did not help you now derrick henry at least got in the end zone and salvaged his mm-hmm. day a little bit mm-hmm. but he only had 25 yards outside of that yeah he didn't like again sure he got a touchdown but you're expecting with henry to not go below i think a certain point per per week like i think you're expecting yeah okay a touchdown but then you know you're expecting 80 plus yards a couple catches like he's he's usually consistent because he's their big offensive weapon but the bills shut him down well exactly he is the focal point of their offense so if he's not having a good week the entire team is not having a good week anymore yeah and uh, the bills did a great job of bottling him up in the uh in the backfield, which is exactly what you need to do if you are playing Henry, and uh, they no longer the Titans no longer have AJ Brown to punish you if you decide to crowd the box and uh, have your defenders stay close to stop Henry. Whereas before, they could just launch it over the top, and AJ Brown would yeah. win you your fantasy week. Now they don't have that, and defenses know it. Um, Dalvin Cook was a bust for the Vikings, who for whatever reason decided that uh, even when the game was still relatively close and they were only down 14, 17 points, um, they decided that giving the ball to Dalvin Cook, even through the air, was not a, a good option. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, th- this is the thing with Minnesota, though, and I think it's a Kirk Cousins problem. He is not good under the lights. Like no, when Kirk, it's Kirk like Cousins Monday has a night Monday games, night problem. Oh, he he just can't do it. He just, he just yeah. freezes up. He can't play. And, and the entire offense was just atrocious. Yeah, you know, I, I don't put a lot of faith into, you know, stuff like that. Like, oh, you know, it's a primetime game. He's not going to do well. But for whatever reason, Kirk Cousins keeps proving people right about that. So <laughs> yeah. there genuinely might be something there. I don't know. Um, it, it, it's a scary, scary thing to be like, no, I can't start the guy that I drafted to be my starting quarterback because he's playing Monday night. And you know what? Another trend that I think actually got busted this year is people, you know, at least early on, the two Thursday night games have been excellent. Like in the past, people have complained, all oh, the Thursday night games often bad. People like don't really show up for it. It's like so early. They haven't had practice. But I found both of the Thursday night games so far highly interesting. Yeah. And I don't know if, I don't know if maybe that's something to do with the scheduling and the deal that the NFL has made with Amazon. And they mm-hmm. kind of wanted to get out of the gate running and get the viewers up with some good quality games. Um, I don't think I would classify Cleveland and Pittsburgh as a high quality game, but the first two weeks have been pretty good. So you say that and people might be listening today thinking, oh, that was actually quite good last night. Like we just don't know, right? Maybe <laughs> yeah. we, that game could have been amazing. And we don't exactly we don't like I'm, I'm always fine. I, I would much rather it be an exciting game just with Cleveland's offense versus <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I don't think it's going to be a close game, unfortunately. I, I don't have any faith in Mitch Trubisky uh, as a starting quarterback. I've I've spoken about that since the preseason review articles. 
I think the Steelers would be better off switching to Kenny Pickett for the long run. But uh, they're sticking with Trubisky, so that's their their bed. They have to lie in it. Yeah. Other uh, busts running backs, um, Ezekiel Elliott. He uh, So I, I faded all of the Cowboys' offense this week, and uh, they surprised me and managed to take down the Bengals after jumping out to an early lead. But none of their key players outside of Tony Pollard really had a good day for fantasy. You know, like Zeke ran for 53 yards. He had a bad week one. Their offensive line issues aren't going to be fixed this season due to uh, an unfortunate injury. And now they, uh, they don't have Dak Prescott for another, I mean, I'm seeing reports, you know, he could be back as early as week four, but yeah. I think at that point you're just forcing him into a situation that's going to end up like Russell Wilson last year. We're mm-hmm. sure he's back, but you could see a, a marked change in his performance. You know, his deep balls were not what they were. He was struggling to hit his receivers. So, you know, is it better to have your big name out there and not performing well, or maybe wait an extra week or two and then have him back at full, full strength, you know? Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll see what the Cowboys do. Um, the uh, wide receivers, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, also known uh, by a nickname of the Sun God due to his name. He has been lights out for fantasy yeah. football this year. I mean, 116 yards and two touchdowns this week. He he even had two rushing attempts and went for 68 yards. Like That is just crazy. Amon Ra St. Brown is starting to look like if you had drafted Debo last year, Debo Samuel with just the absolute versatility. He is hard to bring down and he is the go-to target for Jared Goff this year. So if you picked him up, I hope that uh, you're playing him every week at this point, because there's no reason not to. You might even want to consider playing Jared Goff, depending upon who your other quarterback is. (laughs) Yeah. Depending on who your other quarterback is. And that's a pretty good stack to have. I mean, I didn't think I would say the words that Jared Goff is still good at football ever again, but uh, so far this year, he has been very good. Um, another good QB wide receiver connection, Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. I mean, mm. even without Gabe Davis there to pull defenders' attention away, he still had 148 yards and three touchdowns before leaving in the third quarter with the rest of the Bills starting offense which I haven't seen happen in a regular season game in a long time. It's because they got the job done. They didn't, I, I mean, he didn't need oh, to stick around abso- anymore. <laughs> absolutely. It's a business decision. And I even understood the Titans pulling Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill out of the game. Cause what's the point of risking them getting injured for a game? You're not going to win. Yeah. It was too, it was way too far gone. Like that game was over. Exactly. Um, Christian Kirk and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he's easily become Trevor Lawrence's favorite target so far. Yeah. He, yeah. uh, is getting hyper targeted and uh, the Jags are looking good so far. You know, it's, I, I, I don't know if the other shoe is going to drop and that's it for the Jaguars, but so far they're, they're looking good. Um, Drake London, same position, but uh, for the Atlanta Falcons, like by far and away, he is the guy that they're targeting. Yeah. Rashad Bateman for the Baltimore Ravens. So two weeks in a row, he is, he's scored there, I, I am a little concerned about his usage, though, because he's not getting a lot of receptions. He's making the most of what he's got. But when you have Mark Andrews and Devin DuVernay and 
well, just Lamar Jackson's ability to run the ball. You know, the, the passing work is a, a pretty small amount. So hopefully he can stay as efficient as he is and kind of be like Adam Thielen in years past. And, you know, he might only catch three passes in a game, but he scored you a touchdown. So yeah, that works for you. Um, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, we already talked about them earlier in the show, but I mean, Hill had 190 yards, two touchdowns. Waddle had 171 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, that is insane that you can have that happen on the same team. Will it ever happen again? I, I doubt it but at least you can feel confident starting both of them, uh, whichever one you happen to have on your team. Now, Justin Jefferson, 30 points in week one in standard formats. Uh, he uh, finished with 50 yards uh, in a game where they were getting absolutely killed, so you would yeah. expect the receivers to have a good game, but, uh, well, the Eagles and, and Darius Slay in particular uh, basically shut Jefferson out of the game. Yeah, I mean, they had that defense had themselves a game. I mean, they got the pick six, but they were just not letting. Again, I mean, Kirk Cousins was hurting himself, but we talked yeah. kind of about that. But still, like they had no room. Like Jefferson did not like was not able to do anything because that defense was all over them. No, exactly. And uh, I'm going to talk about that a bit more in the tight ends in a, in just a minute. But um, I wanted to touch base on. Brandon Cooks. So mm. the Texans had either a neutral or negative game script throughout the entire game because for the longest time, neither them or the Broncos could reach the end zone. Uh, the Texans never ended up reaching the end zone anyways, but they, for whatever reason, could not get Cooks more involved in the game. Now to give credit to quarterback Davis Mills, he, he threw the ball to Cooks 10 times. Yep. Cook could only bring in four of them. So I don't know if that's an issue with their connection or, um, you know, I wasn't watching that game that closely. Maybe they just weren't catchable balls and uh, the blame does lie on, on Mills. But when he is by far your best receiver, like you need to find a way to get the ball in his hands. Like even if you have to like force those receptions, you know, give him mm -hmm. those quick slants and the, the curls and just hope that he can make a play for you. Um, in the same vein, Devontae Adams so they went, they had a great lead throughout most of the game. And, and the Cardinals, to their credit, had an amazing comeback thanks to some just absolutely insane running around by Kyler Murray. Uh, but Adams had a touchdown in that game and he had 12 yards total. <laughs> that so, sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. He had two receptions. This is your best receiver. I understand, you know, you have a lead, you're going to run the ball and everything. But if you need that first down, like, why aren't you looking at Adams? Yeah. You know? Now, I mean, to be fair, Carr did throw the ball to him seven times. So, again, maybe that was an issue with uh, Adams just not being able to hang on to them. Maybe it was an issue with the quality of the throws. But, I mean, we've seen Adams for years been able to make big plays repeatedly in a game. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, especially in overtime, I don't know why the Raiders weren't looking more to Adams. Carr is not Rogers. No, I'm about to say, is, is not. definitely not. But but he's not a terrible quarterback. Because I one of the things I like to do when I'm really try like debating a player and I'm unsure, I try to think, okay, how many quarterbacks can you name who are definitively definitively better than than Carr? And I don't think the list, like it, maybe he's middle ground, maybe he's around 10 or 15 
once you get down the list. But he, that's not terrible. Like he's he can throw. He makes good decisions. The Raiders have done well without Adams before, without some of these big guns. Like not they're you know they're not a huge playoff success team, but they've made it or they've been in the run. They play meaningful football into the winter. So we're in Canada, by the way. That's why I say <laughs> into the winter for us. That's like November, <laughs> December. Um, but he. You know, the Raiders have been able to win games. They've been able to stay competitive. So I don't know if it's maybe it's a connection issue. Maybe Adams was having a hard time getting covered. And he was dropping balls. But again, I don't think Carr's awful is kind of my point. No, uh, Carr's always, you know, a bit of a scary quarterback to play in fantasy football, but he's not a bad quarterback. He will have yeah. bad weeks, but overall, you can do much worse than starting Derek Carr. So I don't know what the issue is because Adams had a good week one. I mean, he had 10 mm-hmm. catches and 140 yards and a touchdown. So they clearly have some sort of connection, just did not work out this week. Um, I'm going to move on to tight ends so we don't get uh, too bogged down in talking about the issues of Derek Carr. It was a big list for receivers this week, though. Like, I mean, obviously for everybody, for more, just go to conqueryourdraft.com, look at the Tuesday article. Um, and by the time this comes out, you can look at the Friday one as well. But the list of busts for receivers, very, very, very big this week. So <laughs> there's a, there was a lot to talk about. Yes, move on. Move on to your tight ends. Uh, and yeah, see if, if, if I went over all the busts and conquerors this week, uh, this that would be, that would be, be like podcast. two and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so for the tight ends, this year in fantasy, if you don't have Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, or Darren Waller, you are just panicking each week at the tight end position because mm. outside of that, outside of those three names, no one else has had a consistently good performance. Yeah. Um, you know, each week, you know, we've had big boom players like OJ Howard in week one. Um, we had Mike Gesicki. We had uh, Pat Fryermuth, Zach Ertz. Irv Smith, uh, going back to that Justin Jefferson thing, Irv Smith had a very good game for the Vikings. It could have been a lot better if he hadn't dropped a wide open touchdown pass. It would have been like, I think, 60 yards or something. Um, And he probably would have been the tight end one for the week if he had managed to bring that in. Um, It was a pretty egregious drop and could have changed the game for the Vikings, but... uh, they are looking his way now. I had the Minnesota Vikings as a sit, uh, their tight ends last week, because in week one he had thrown only, uh, Kirk Cousins had only thrown six balls to the entire tight end group. This week he threw eight to just Irv Smith. So they had always said throughout the preseason that he was going to be their guy at the tight end position. He unfortunately had to have surgery, so he didn't play in the preseason, and they brought him in slowly in week one, but now it looks like he's back to full speed. So he's not a bad option. You know, if, if you had someone who isn't working out, you know, if you have a Cole Komet or a Kyle Pitts, Noah Fant, Hunter Henry, like these guys have been hurting you. Cole Komet, you could have probably put literally any other tight end in and he would have done better than you so far since Komet has not scored a single fantasy point yet. You, me and everyone listening to this podcast have the same amount of receptions in 2022 as Cole Komet. <laughs> as Cole Komet. <laughs> That's funny. It's funny because he he should, or at least I thought, he was going to have a pretty decent like year this year. Certainly not I this was <laughs> I was big on Cole Komet. Um, I am a big believer that, from what I saw last year, that he could have had a great year so far. But 
something is going on in Chicago. I mean, you know, I was willing to to write off week one. I mean, they played in an absolute downpour. You're not throwing the ball very much, right? Yeah. Um, So I was willing to look past that. But then we go into this past week, and it was still terrible. I mean, Justin Fields is not throwing the ball for whatever reason. Now, yes, the ground game was working against uh, the Packers, and David Montgomery was having a great game. But your quarterback only threw 11 passes in the entire game that you were losing. You yeah. were losing 24 to 7 at halftime, and you only throw 11 passes? That is just embarrassing. And so obviously, Kmet and uh, Darnell Mooney is the other side of this. You You actually could have left... If you're in a standard format league in week two, you would have been better off leaving an empty spot in your lineup rather than starting Darnell Mooney. Because in standard scoring, he actually lost you points. He lost points. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you would have been better off just having an open spot or a guy who was hurt in there because he's not doing anything. And, And I was big on Darnell Mooney, too, from what we saw last year. So I don't know what's going on in Chicago, but until it gets fixed, you can look at dropping Cole Kmet, Darnell Mooney, Maybe see if someone's willing to buy them off of you. Um, Or hang on tight and hope things change. Um, Kyle Pitts, same thing. I mean, he only had 19 uh, 19 yards last week off two catches. He has been... Drake London has taken over in Atlanta, which we expected him to do. But Kyle Pitts is a genuinely very talented athlete. I mean, he Mm -hmm. is basically a wide receiver at the tight end position. And it doesn't make sense that they're not throwing him the ball that much, especially they're playing from behind in all of these games. So I, I'm expecting they will get him more involved, but I'm concerned about his usage. I mean, especially if you took Kyle Pitts, you probably took him in the first two, maybe three rounds. I'd imagine so. Yeah, he had such in, a great in order year to last get year. him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like people were expecting more of the same. You know, it, for, I, in a lot of drafts, I was seeing either Kelsey or Andrews go first the other one go a second and then kyle pitts so who did you pass on in order to get kyle pitts who has done nothing for you so far yeah but you are right though like it's it's pretty much a handful of tight ends have been having great years and then it's such a roll of the die for everybody else like there's been way more busts to start the season and uh going back to our website there i i do put out a draft strategy article um and it kind of goes over a couple of the core draft strategies leading into your fantasy football draft and one of them is taking a tight end early which i am a big supporter of because if you take mark andrews in the first or second round maybe in the third round if you're really lucky or you know the guys in your league or girls in your league are are very tight end adverse that's basically like having a wide receiver one in your tight end position and you can see it pays off i mean for the most part Kyle Pitts would have been included in that strategy and he has hurt you so far. But if you had Kelsey or Andrews, like you're not even worried about the tight end position. It it doesn't even exist to you anymore because he is just locked in. Um, If you wait till the end of the draft and you're taking uh, a David Njoku, you're taking a Cole Komet, a lot of the time you're going to swing and miss, unfortunately. I was big on both of those guys. Neither one has turned out well so far. Um, But that's enough about... uh, the pain and suffering of the the (laughs) tight end position Um, and we'll put week two behind us as we look forward Mm -hmm. to week three so as we said pittsburgh and cleveland will have played last night yeah Um, 
I'm I'm guessing that Nick Chubb will continue to have a good game. I'm thinking Kareem Hunt will also rebound from last week. Um, you know, like we talked about earlier in the show, dual back uh, offenses. Browns have been like that for a few years, but they've both been pretty good options in fantasy football, especially in PPR leagues. If you have Kareem Hunt, that's where he kind of shines. But this past week, you know, it was the Nick Chubb show. It is what it is. He's their he is their one A to Kareem Hunt's one B. Mm-hmm. But I think in, against Pittsburgh without TJ Watt, I think that both will be able to do very well, especially since Jacoby Brissett is not off to a great start in Cleveland. Um, he did finally get, develop a connection with Amari Cooper, but ultimately their offense is going to run through Chubb and Hunt. So they're both I'm expecting good things from. Pittsburgh, just figure it out, guys. Get, yeah. get, get Kenny Pickett <laughs> out there. I mean, again, we don't know. So for all we know, they, they finally put Pickett in and, and he got going. But what I had heard coming out of camp was that they, they were going to give Trubisky more than a couple weeks. Like he was going to have the reins for a bit and see where they can go with it. But I'm with you. I just don't see him um, being able to pull them out of this. So I think they've got to throw Pickett in there if there's even going to be a chance. But again, I, I agree with you. I think Cleveland probably won last night. For all we know, it was an upset. I just, I don't think so. I think Cleveland's just got the better overall team this year. Um, and I do think that if Pittsburgh had a solidified good Again, not great, but good quarterback in there who really could could manage the field. That then their team would be different. Yeah, team. and uh, the injury to TJ Watt is a huge blow for their defense. So uh, yeah. they'll they'll be much better once he's back on the field. But for now, it's not quite a scary matchup as it used to be. But uh, moving on, we'll we'll go into the starts and sits for the week. So for quarterbacks, starts. So Joe Burrow. Did not look great last week, but it's hard to look good when you're getting sacked six times a game. Were, were you watching watched, Dallas uh, Cincinnati? I was watching. Um, was that the second? Was that the four o'clock games? I'm trying to remember my timeline this week. I don't think I watched the full thing. Like I think I hopped back and forth. Oh, okay, so basically, what would happen? They would uh, Joe Burrow would drop back to throw the ball, and uh, if he didn't have someone open right right away, he had multiple Cowboys defenders chasing him and slamming him into the ground. Wasn't he sacked nine times or something? Like, wasn't, wasn't that uh, some ridiculous stat? Like, a lot. It was six I, I or think, something. I'm pretty sure it was six. Yeah, it was yeah, six sacks. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he had... It might have been six in week one as well. Like, he is getting pummeled behind that offensive line. Yeah. And ever since uh, his his injury in his rookie year, you know, he's not running as much as he, he used to. So you don't even quite have that to, to lean on. Now he is still running, but he's not as much of a threat that way anymore. So he's not getting your points. So if he can't start throwing the ball, he is going to be in trouble. But this week he gets to go up against the New York jets who <laughs> seem to have committed to we're playing from behind and we're throwing the ball. So <laughs> we're going to be fine. Yes, I mean, they've <laughs> seems to happen. I'm sure they don't want that. Uh, I'm sure their their coach and staff don't want them to be committed to that, but that seems to uh, be what Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they would love to get uh, Brees Hall out there a bit more and, and running around, but mm-hmm. uh, when your defense is giving up points left, right, and center, then it is what, what it is. Do? So <laughs> What can you do? <laughs> yeah, so assuming that uh, 
the Jets aren't going to be able to pressure Burrow as much as the Cowboys' pass rush was able to, then I think that Burrow will end up having a good game. And I think yeah. the Jets will actually be able to keep it somewhat competitive because they have been so good at just launching massive comebacks with their yeah. their crazy pass uh, attack. It's probably going to be a high-scoring game. Like I would imagine both offenses will probably get cooking because you're right. Burrow's probably going to have more space. Gonna be able to do more things because the Jets' defense is certainly not <laughs> uh, anything that the uh, the Cowboys were doing or anything that anybody else was doing. But I think, yeah, if if Flacco keeps up and the the way their offense runs, like this could be a high scoring game. Yeah, it, it very well could be. Like the Jets have a bottom three defense, and Joe Flacco is a better quarterback than Cooper Rush, so mm-hmm. it could definitely get to some points on the board. Most uh, most quarterbacks are better than Cooper yeah, Rush. Jimmy Garoppolo, another start of the week. So really, that surprises me. Yeah, well, so they kept him around for a reason. They mm-hmm. signed him to be Trey Lance's backup for a reason, and and this is the reason because if Trey Lance were to go down. They wanted to have a game manager behind him. They didn't right. want to have to draw on the Cooper rushes of the world. They right. wanted someone who knows their offense, who can run it, a f- not not fantastic, but effectively. Last year, Garoppolo was effective. He mm-hmm. was not winning you your week, but he certainly wasn't losing you your week. And now he's in a position to do that again. I mean, they killed the Seahawks last week, and Lance was out, I, I'm pretty sure, still in the first quarter. So for three quarters, Jimmy Garoppolo was in the game, and they destroyed the Seahawks. Now, I mean, part of that is the issues that the Seahawks are having on the offense, and San Francisco has a good defense. But he was still able to get uh, the key playmakers involved. And if they can have George Kittle back this week, so he'll have Kittle and Debo Samuel to throw the ball to, I I don't think that he is going to by any means have a Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson kind of a week, but he will he will be all right. Um, he's also going up against the Broncos, who Geno Smith had a great week against them in week one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was an emotional game for the Seahawks, but still, the Broncos' defense has not been the elite unit that it has been in years past. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, Garoppolo can lean on Samuel and Kittle and still have a pretty good week. Yeah, yeah. Jared Goff, uh, we spoke about him earlier, and uh, he's taking on the Vikings this week, who were just embarrassed um, against the Eagles. He already played the Eagles, and he threw for four touchdowns. So the same defense that just annihilated Kirk Cousins, he threw for four touchdowns against in a shootout in week one. And yeah, and the now, Vikings defense has not looked great. No, they have so. not looked great. They, they looked great against Aaron Rodgers in week one, but they got pummeled <laughs> by Jalen Hurts in week yeah. two and i think that jared goff is going to do more of the same uh we'll move on to starts at the running back position so uh you'll be happy to hear this mike i have dalvin cook as a start for this week okay you're gonna have to sell me on that though <laughs> so <laughs> as good as jared goff and the lions offense has been the lions have been getting absolutely destroyed in the ground game yeah and if anything was a reason to start leaning on Dalvin Cook more, I'm guessing week two should send that message to the Vikings coaching staff. I know that they're running a more pass-heavy offense this year. We knew that coming into the season. But you still can't you can't justify not giving the ball to one of the best players on your team. And when you're going up against a defense that just has had problems stopping the run so far this year, you need to use Dalvin Cook. Now, Mike... 
if if the Vikings can't capitalize on his abilities this week, there's not going to be a matchup that they're going to. So, yeah, this I, is this I, is it. This is their chance to I think break out of this funk and for Cook to actually get rolling here because they're you're playing the Lions and again. It's probably going to be one of those games that both offenses that have been doing pretty well can get going. It's probably going to be a bit of a higher scoring game, um, even though I think again. The Vikings should beat the Lions, but you never know. You're right. This is it. Like if Cook cannot get out of the funk this week, that'll be like that'll be really tough to to be starting him, which is a shame because he's such I, he's been such a, a staple for for fantasy for the past couple of years. Well, exactly. Yeah, he uh, he's been a first round draft pick, I think, for the past few years, and rightly so. He is always returned on that. Maybe this year he's just starting off a little slow, or maybe this is the year, you know, running backs always hit that point where the wheels come off and they don't have the juice anymore. They don't have that that step. Maybe mm. that's starting to happen with Dalvin Cook. Maybe it's not, and this week he'll light up the Lions. But if you're a Dalvin Cook fantasy manager, pay attention this week because that should tell you what you need to know about his future this season. Yeah. Um, moving on to Damian Pierce. So Damian Pierce has been uh, interesting so far this year. I'm big on Damian Pierce. I think I have him in every single league. Week one, I thought he was going to do great. They decided that Rex Burkhead was their better option at running back for some reason. (laughs) Um, In week two, they switched gears. They gave him every single carry. Rex Burkhead was left with the passing work, which is what we expected to happen in week one. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it was up against uh, it was up against the Denver defense, who were able to contain the uh, Texans' offense. If if you watched the game, it was a very defensive battle. It was pretty boring for for the majority of the game. There was not a lot going on. So I'm not willing to give up on Damian Pierce just yet, because at the end of the day, if you're getting every carry for your team, you will do well for fantasy. You can look at Najee Harris last year. The Steelers were not a good offense last year, but Harris was great for fantasy because they were willing to run the ball 20 to 30 times a game with him. Even if he's only getting a few yards of carry, that still adds up over time. And yeah. I think they're going to do more of that this week going up against the Chicago Bears that were just embarrassed on the ground by Aaron Jones. While obviously Damon Pierce is not Aaron Jones, he's going to get a significant workload. And I think that he is going to do more of what Green Bay did last week. Maybe he gets into the end zone and really gives you a great week, but even if he doesn't, I think he's still going to be a startable option as an RB2, maybe as your flex. Miles Sanders is uh, the third running back that I have as a start. Now, Sanders has looked good so far. He looked good last week, and this week he's going up against Washington. They've been bad against running backs so far this season. The problem is Jalen Hurts is his quarterback. And when they get into the red zone, when they get within 20 yards, they like to run read options. And it's always a 50-50 if who's going to get the ball out of that. Sanders showed us this week he can get it into the end zone with his legs from whatever the distance. And that hurts you if you're the Sanders manager because you don't have that goal line work. There's no guarantee that when they get on the one-yard line that Sanders is going to run it in. You know, this is not Derrick Henry, we're within five yards, he's going to run it in. This is, a well, our quarterback is just as good, maybe he's going to run it in. Or maybe he's going to pass it. 
So there is always that risk there that he is not going to have a great week because of that work, but he has looked good running. So I think that they're going to incorporate him a bit more and keep defenses guessing. And uh, this week, it's a pretty good matchup for running back. So I think if they can get him involved early and he does well, I think they'll lean on him to, to create those run uh, run pass options for Jalen Hurts, which they used very well against the Minnesota Vikings. So Sanders should not be your RB1. If he is your RB1, something went wrong when you were drafting. But as a flex candidate or maybe as your backup running back, he's pretty good this week. So with about, we've got about five minutes left. So why don't you just kind of quickly run through um, some of your some of your remaining busts um, and and list them off and list your conquerors, who you should be starting, who you should be sitting this week, and then if there's any particular ones we want to get into detail, we can do a quick couple quick lines about them. But with the time left, why don't you just go through and give us kind of your list? Who should we be starting? Who should we be sitting this week? And then we can get into a few little details here. Alrighty. So wide receivers, uh, we had to talk to Drake London. He should be mm-hmm. in your starting lineup. Rashad Bateman, he's going to go up against the Patriots defense. The, we don't like to recommend people going up against them, but with how many offensive weapons the Ravens have, he should still be able to produce against them. Mike Williams, especially if Keenan Allen is still not in play, he should have a great week against uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Irv Smith at the tight end position, we already talked about him. Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard have both become very good safety valves for their quarterbacks. So they're, if you're in a PPR league, those are both great options because they might not get great yardage, but they will get a lot of receptions. Hmm. Uh, so for sits for this week, Tom Brady, Mike Evans is suspended, Godwin's out, and we're expecting Julio Jones to be out. He's not going to have anyone to throw the ball to. We saw how it went in New Orleans. Don't play him this week. Same thing with Daniel Jones going up against... Uh, the Cowboys' defense, they just sacked Joe Burrow six times. They're coming <laughs> after Daniel Jones this week. I don't think Daniel Jones has much of a chance, personally. But No, I think that they're not going to have a great passing game this week. Uh, Baker Mayfield, he's going up against a Saints defense that so far have only allowed 50%, 57% pass completion against them, and they've had one passing touchdown scored all year. Mayfield hasn't looked great so far, and this is a terrible matchup. Look elsewhere for him. Mm. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I know it's hard to sit someone who's in the Chiefs offense, but between two games, Clyde has had 15 rushing attempts and seven receptions. So he's only getting 10 touches a game between the passing game and the ground game. That hyper-efficiency can only last so long, and the Colts have a great run defense. Look elsewhere. We already spoke about Michael Carter and Brees Hall. For whatever reason, the Jets are insisting on throwing it. They're not including these guys. Every now and then they'll have a great game, but it's hard to bet on. Same thing with Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. So far in the season, the Cardinals have allowed an average of 100 rushing yards a game. The Rams are averaging 117 rushing yards a game. Or Sorry, the Rams have a total of 117 rushing yards through two games. And now we're taking that number and splitting it in half between Akers and Henderson. So as long as, until one of them becomes the main guy, just avoid them. Uh, Darnell Mooney, Russell Gage, we talked about their offenses. They're not involved. Devontae, <laughs> Devontae Parker for the New England Patriots. He is the ugly duckling of the wide receiver group for some reason. They brought him in in the offseason, and he has done nothing so far. He is uh, He's only had four targets so far between two games, and 
My Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar have way higher target and reception totals. They're the guys that Mac Jones trusts. Robert Woods, we already talked about how Traylon Burks is uh, the, the number one wide receiver. Woods has not been able to do anything with the work that he's been given, so you might as well sit him, maybe see if you can trade him away. And tight ends to sit this week, Kyle Pitts. Until I see something different and that they are willing to involve him, I would not be playing Kyle Pitts. That mm-hmm. is the Drake London show in Atlanta, and you're just asking to get hurt at the tight end position, but I understand if you have to play him because of his draft capital. Albert Aguebenam, I genuinely don't know if I've pronounced his last name right. Please correct me if I am wrong. But Russell Wilson has not been able to get uh, get him involved in any game. And the 49ers defense have not allowed a high-scoring tight end yet this year. Look elsewhere. Finally, going back to the Titans one last time, Austin Hooper. He is the top option in the tight end group, but being the best of the worst is not great for fantasy. Look elsewhere if you need a tight end streamer for this week. So that is it for our starts and sits for Sunday and Monday's games. It's going to be a wild third week, I think. I think every week this year it's going to be pretty intense because the parity in the league has really gone up. Um, We're pretty much out of time, though, Josh, for for week number one. We hope that people really enjoyed this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I mean, Josh, in, in 10 seconds or hopefully less, tell us why people should should tune in every week to this podcast. Don't tune in uh, so that you can hear Mike and I bitterly argue, reflect on our home league, and hopefully get some uh, some gems that can win you your week and your fantasy lineups through our starts and sits. And feel free to write in each week with, uh, uh, we'll start doing a mailbag if you have any questions that we can answer for you. Perfect. Thank you, everybody, and definitely catch us next week. Take care, everybody. Thank you.